when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. listening to just pod baby a las vegas raiders podcast brought to you by silver and black and now your host evan Grote. let's go raider nation and welcome back i am your host evan Grote, and you're listening to just pod baby we are brought to you by silverandblacktoday.com las vegas's first and only independent raiders news source also be sure to follow me on twitter at egrote 5 Subscribe to the podcast if you like what you're hearing, and also leave me a review and a rating. I love the feedback, and also check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to the Silver and Black Today page. If that's how you prefer to get listen to the show, that works for me. All of my latest episodes are now available up at that platform, uh, as well as some of the uh, past work that was done by Scott Gilbranson and the live YouTube videos that we, uh, we, we do occasionally. You can find all of that uh, content up at the, the YouTube page as well. And if you're a fan of Facebook, you can follow us there as well. So, you know, you can pretty much catch us anywhere uh, on social media nowadays. There's really no excuse not to be following us and all the coverage that we're providing with you. Now, we are just over a month away from the 2021 draft, and we had a couple blockbuster trades go down on Friday, both involving the Miami Dolphins. First, they swapped picks in round one with the 49ers. The 49ers moved up to uh, pick three, and the Dolphins uh, went back to pick 12, but then they in turn flipped that pick 12 to move back up to pick six with the Philadelphia Eagles. So definitely some, some moving and shaking going on, wheeling and dealing going on as, as these teams are now jockeying for a position, most likely to land a quarterback. And there's some good ones in this year's draft class. Uh, I do expect to see quarterbacks come off the board, picks one, two, three, probably even four. Uh, who knows? Uh, um, you know, I, I plan to really uh, take a deep dive into the prospects in this year's draft class starting next week. I'm a little bit behind on my research. I'm a li- usually a little bit further along, so I got some ground to make up. I know that Dane Burgler uh, from The Athletic uh, is set to release his draft guide in the first week of April, so I'm really looking forward to that. And if you're a fan of Dane, uh, you know, I will be trying to get him on sometime before the draft. I had him on last year, um, and I did reach out to him already a few weeks ago and uh, just trying to, you know, uh, get on his radar, and he said sometime in April. So I'm going to follow up with him, and, uh, you know, I'm just really starting to get excited about the draft. Um, I'm sure you've been watching a lot of these pro days where the pro day circuit is now in full swing. We've seen some some freaky performances. Um, the other day it was, it was Micah... Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. Some of these wide receivers are just putting on absolute shows. I saw Quiddy Pay uh, on Friday bench press 36 reps. So, I mean, you're just seeing some unbelievable performances here at these pro days. And uh, it's really starting to get me excited and starting to get my mind shifted towards uh, the draft. Now, uh, we are in the later waves of free agency here. You know, things are starting to cool off. A lot of the money is drying up and, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a quiet week this week for the Raiders after a, a fury of activity and signings by the Raiders in the first week of free agency. Not a whole lot of new information to report for you this week. We do have a couple stories. The big one was about the, 
the backup quarterback situation, Marcus Mariota, he will be sticking around in Las Vegas for another season. He did agree to a new deal, and we're going to get into a little bit of that in just a moment. Um, and I'll get you some of my thoughts on how, how I think the Raiders did there. Also on Friday, the Raiders did sign another another veteran wide receiver in Willie Sneed, and uh, he met with members of the media on Friday, and I, I did get to catch some of it. I didn't catch all of it, but uh, you know, I liked what he had to say. I thought he made a lot of good points about his his leadership and, and his experience playing on on successful teams and, and he you know being able to bring that over to this young group of wide receivers. So I, I do think that is uh that's a big win there for the Raiders. Also tonight I want to play some audio from Thursday's edition of Inside or excuse me, in the huddle uh, with Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM in Las Vegas. And you can also check that out on the TuneIn app. That's how I listen. But uh, I was a guest with Vinny on Thursday. And, you know, we discussed various topics. We kind of were all over the place. Uh, but if you didn't have a chance to hear it, um, well, I, I recommend that you start listening to Vinny's show because he does a great job. He's got great lineup of guests uh, each day. But uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it live, um, I'm going to be sharing some of the audio with you here tonight. It's always a great time going on with Vinny, so I uh, I do hope you enjoy hearing a, a bit of our conversation. But tonight, tonight I want to begin with, as I said, the signing of Marcus Mariota, as I mentioned at the top. The news came um, as a bit of a surprise to me, I got to admit. And, um, you know, I, I put my, my thoughts and my ideas out there on the podcast. So you heard me talk about, I didn't think there was any way that he would be brought back. When you look at that huge number that he was due, um, you know, I just didn't think there would be any way that they would hold on to him, uh, you know, based on the money situation that they were in, needed to free up some money. Uh, but they were creative. They found some other ways to do that. And, uh, you know, there was some word recently on, on the on the street, so to speak, that he was being shopped. And, and we thought it was possible that he could be traded. And I still believe that, you know, it is possible that he could still be traded. And I think that's really what the team wanted to do with him. I think they were hoping to maybe move on from him in a trade, acquire some some trade um, assets and, and, you know, lose that, that large uh, or, or gain that large amount of cap space. Uh, from him, but you know, they they in the end they decided to hold on with him, hold on to him. He was not traded, and uh, they were they didn't rush to make a big move to cut him. And uh, you know, now the Raiders I think look really good for being patient and and not just rushing to to cut him. And and I think this is where some of the people out there uh, say that the Raiders maybe did a little bit of shady business here uh, to keep him on the roster while the money across the league kind of dried up and teams began to fill some of those vacancies that they had at the starting quarterback positions. Talking about uh, the Chicago Bears, they went out and signed Andy Dalton, who is going to be the starter there. The Washington football team, they went out and signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is most likely will be the starter there as well. So, you know, that, that really limited... Mariota's options there and they knew what they were doing. I mean, they, they knew exactly what they were doing. They were going to kind of pin him against a wall, um, not going to give him any options and, and the market was kind of set at that point. So he was not going to get a, a big payday, uh, on the open market. And, and, uh, you know, they asked him to take an $8 million pay cut and it didn't sound like he was going to be willing to do that. But in the end, um, they, they did, they were able to get him to sign a new contract for significantly less money um, than he was earning last year, 10.75 last year. He's going to be getting 3.5 uh, 
uh, this season. And there are some incentives in there in that contract as well. Now, just some of my initial thoughts on on, on this. I think it was a smart business move uh, by the Raiders. And I don't feel all that bad for Mariota. I mean, he was paid handsomely last year as the backup for this team. He's, you know, he's still young enough where he can hit the market again next year and still land himself a nice contract and and maybe even land with a team that is in need of a starting quarterback. I'd have to imagine that he still wants to be a starter in this league. And then the other aspect of this this deal that that makes a lot of sense for the Raiders is that you know, he could still be traded at any point, right? I mean, it could still happen and and it might still happen. Don't don't be surprised if if you see that go down um because that contract is now much more attractive to a team who might be interested in him. That was the the big hold up uh with not being able to trade him uh previously is that teams would have had to, would have had to inherit that large contract and there were a lot of incentives involved in that contract. I believe it could have gotten up to anywhere into like the 18 million dollar range. So that you know that's a, that's a large contract for a team to 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 pick up for a guy uh you know of his caliber. Caliber. Um so I, I do think it makes it much more affordable for a team. And I know that he has a no trade clause in his contract, but I'd have to imagine that if a team comes calling and it's a team that he believes gives him an opportunity to be a starting quarterback and be successful in this league, I would imagine he'd be willing to waive that no trade clause. So uh, I like what the Raiders were were able to get done there. And, and you know what, should they decide not to trade him or not find a trade partner? You know what? They got a very reliable, legitimate backup quarterback on the roster. So I think that that works out very well. And I hope that Gruden will find a way to utilize uh, his abilities Many of us were calling for it towards the end of last season, and I agree there are ways to get him involved. You look at um, you look at the ways uh, the the Saints utilized Taysom Hill in New Orleans. Now, I'm not saying he's the same type of player. I'm not sure if he can be used as like a runner like Hill is or a receiver like Hill is, but just giving the opposing defensive coordinators another wrinkle to prepare for another look that they have to prepare for another threat in the red zone or on third and fourth and short when you need to pick up a, a critical f- first down you know you can use uh, him in different ways and again I think uh, the more creative you can be the more athletes you can get on the field the more you have to put on the plate of a defensive coordinator the better off you'll be as the offense so um, you know I think that I'd like to see that if he is with this roster uh, all season long, you know, and if they, as I said, if they should get an attractive offer for him, then, you know, and he's willing to waive that trade clause, then you can always acquire some, some draft capital. So again, it's a win-win, uh, for the Raiders as well. All right, let's quickly change gears here. Uh, as I mentioned, I was on as a guest with Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, uh, this week on Thursday in the huddle, uh, with Vinny. I'm not sure if everyone heard the show or not, but we touched on a bunch of different topics. I, I want to play uh, just a bit of the audio from our conversation, starting with some discussion about the Raiders wide receiver group heading into next season. Here, take a listen. Uh, we're going to go back out to the Raider Nation guest line uh, and welcome in our really good friend, uh, Evan Grote uh, from Just Pod Baby. Uh, Evan uh, has, has appeared quite a bit on, on this show and many others uh, guest hosted here uh, on Raiders Nation Radio. We love to have him. Evan, how you doing, brother? Hey, Benny. Nice to be back on with you. How are you? 
I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us. Uh, I think you just heard, uh, you know, the, the caller. And, um, you know, I know that a lot of people, hey, what are they going to do at wide receiver one? I'm, kinda, I'm almost confused at this point on what even a wide receiver one constitutes uh, these days. You know, uh, you know, when I asked him about the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, he brought up Tyree Kill. Well, is Tyree Kill isn't that classic when you think of a wide receiver one he doesn't really fit that bill he gets the most targets so i guess in in that way he's the wide receiver one but he's not a guy that you traditionally think about when you think about a wide receiver one and i think that's kind of how the raiders are approaching this there's not i don't see the need for a wide receiver one but maybe i'm wrong yeah you know i i think i see i see both sides to the argument um one side you know uh, they do have Darren Waller, who is really their number one target. I exactly. think that was the point you were making with the Chiefs is that Travis Kelsey is is it might be their their one A and, and uh, Tyree Kill might be their one B and and, that, and that's the same case with the Raiders. Darren Waller is their top option as a receiving threat. And, and another thing I will say in support of, of uh, not needing to go out and get a wide receiver one is. You know, just a year ago, they, they used the 12th overall pick on a, a receiver, Henry Ruggs, and a third-round pick on another guy they really like with a ton of potential in Brian Edwards. Yep. But on the flip side of that, I think where fans have some, some worries, and, and I have some worries at the same time along with them, is that you know when you look at the rookie seasons that Ruggs and Edwards had, you know it, it kind of leaves you with, with little confidence going in to the following season. Now, I know there were a lot of reasons why maybe they didn't excel as as much as, as fans would have liked. I think the emergence of Nelson Aguilar had a lot to do with it. Um, obviously, the, the not having an offseason and all of the COVID issues and, and whatnot. And then they both dealt with some injuries along the way as well that I think hampered their development. But I, I do see why fans would have some concerns about going into this next season with, as far as your wide receiver room is concerned, having Henry Ruggs and, and Brian Edwards being penciled in as your potential uh, one and two guys. But that being said, I agree with you. I don't think, I don't see them going out and, and signing uh you know, a guy who, who, who could possibly be the, the number one wide receiver. I think John Brown is a guy who uh, can, can do some things that's really, you know, really well like with his deep speed. And uh, we, we heard that they're talking with Willie Sneed as well. Those are the type of guys they might look to add to this group, but you're not going to see anyone, you know, number one wide receiver uh, status here being added to this team. So there, there you heard a little bit of my assessment on on the wide receiver group uh, going into this this upcoming season here. Uh, what do you think, Raider Nation? Did I, did I was I accurate with that assessment, or was do you think I was way off? Let me know what you think. Uh, hit me up on on Twitter, DM me. Let me know what you think about my thoughts. I mean, I, I think I, I'm I, I think I'm pretty fair there with that assessment. I mean, there is a lot of upside there. You did just use uh, a first round pick last year on Henry Ruggs, a third round pick on Brian Edwards. Uh, it's time for these guys to to see what you got, right? You got to throw them in there. You got to give them a shot to see what you have in these two young wide receivers. That's why I don't see. Uh, the Raiders going out and, and first of all, there isn't any wide receiver ones out there on the market any longer. And I don't see them using a draft pick to bring another one in. You got to see what you have in Henry Ruggs and, and uh, Brian Edwards. But at the same time, 
you know, I I have a a little bit of an issue going into the season with these two guys as your as your top receivers. I mean, Henry Ruggs, 26 receptions last year for 452 yards. Brian Edwards, 11 receptions for 193 yards. So you're going to go into your to, to next season with those two guys who caught combined less than 40 balls, and and we're talking less than what 800 yards between the two of them. So, I mean, those are some big question marks there. But I did go on to say, um, Vinny and I continued our conversation, and I did say that, you know, from all that I have heard on, on at least Henry Ruggs from hearing Nick Saban talk about him, uh, he's a he tireless worker, tireless worker, uh, high-character kid, and he's well aware of the criticism that was out there about him last year. He knows that he was the number one wide receiver taken in this draft class. A very, very talented class of wide receivers, and, and some of those rookies last year had some outstanding seasons. And, and you know, he knows that he was at the bottom of that list as far as production. So I fully expect him to be out there working hard, getting stronger. I saw a photo of him the other day on online, and he already looks like he's put on some size. And so, you know, I, I do expect rugs to have a a much more productive uh season in year two and and you know the same goes for brian edwards the big guys the big question with edwards though is always going to be about his health he had injury problems dating back to his time at south carolina can he shake off those problems now that he's in the league he he did not do so in year one um and 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 uh, another cu- couple things I want to mention here while we're on the topic of wide receiver is there is a lot of production now that's up for grabs with with the departure of Nelson Aguilar. We're talking 48 receptions, 896 yards, and eight touchdowns. So somebody's got to pick up that slack. They brought in a guy like John Brown. If they can get uh, you know something out of him, maybe not um, replicate exactly what what Aguilar did with the team uh, I don't think that's what they're expecting from him I do like I said I do expect Ruggs to take a step forward and Edwards to take a step forward so if they can kind of if they can kind of uh all take a piece of the pie of what Aguilar brought to the, to the table last year and they can all kind of take a little bit of that production and, and, and divvy it up I think I think they'll be okay and and while we're on the topic of wide receiver as I mentioned, the Raiders did sign free agent Willie Sneed, uh, formerly with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. He spent some time with the New Orleans Saints as well. Uh, two of his better years in his career did come with the Saints. Uh, he's only 28 years old, and and you know while I do think that there was maybe a, a more of a pressing need at, at free safety and even right tackle, um, you know I'm not I'm not really gonna be down on the signing of, of Willie Sneed. Um, I did hear a little bit of what he had to say in his press conference, and he talked a lot about uh, his experience on, on on successful teams, his experience as a uh, being in the playoffs, and how he can bring that experience to the young group. And um, you know, he knows what it takes to win. And it sounds like he, uh, you know, he he really wants to be here. He talked about how the Raiders were a team that he spent a lot of time watching from afar this past season. So uh, he seems excited about the uh, the move to Vegas. And, and and so you know, he's not gonna be a huge difference maker. I I don't think um, you know he's going to provide that group with some depth, um, and, and so you know we'll see what he brings to the table. 
The next topic that Vinny and I uh, touched on was about the defensive line and, and some of the moves that they've made there at that position group. So here's what we uh, what we discussed there about the defensive line additions. We're talking to Evan Grote. You can follow him at egrote5. Uh, he uh, writes for Silver and Black Today. Uh, he's also the host of Just Pod ba- uh, uh, Baby. Uh, so check him out um, all over uh, all over there. And plus, of course, he always contributes uh, here on Raider Nation Radio as well. All right, so um, the Raiders are throwing um, money uh, and attention uh, and a whole bunch of bodies and skill sets and upside and production and intrigue and all that uh, along their defensive line. I think it's pretty obvious by now that they viewed that as the must area that they have to address. And I know talking to people out in Henderson, um, the fact is, and the, and, the, and, the, and the adjective that's been thrown out to me anyway, was it was unacceptable last year. Completely unacceptable what the defensive line did as a group. So to address it, uh, it looks like the Raiders are, 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 are at the very least bringing in a whole bunch of bodies that can do a whole bunch of different things and creating uh, as fierce a competition at that position group that I can remember, um, you know, just looking back on what the Raiders have done at that position. What are your thoughts thus far? Uh, and with the Raiders at this point, I'm not closing the door on any other additions along the defensive line, but thus far, uh, what are your thoughts on what they've done at that position? Yeah, you know they they obviously uh, addressed the the issue. They're they're well aware that they needed to get some some players in there. You know, I, I tended to be a little bit more critical of some of the moves made along uh, along the defensive line and the defense as a whole. Um, you know, my, my thought process going into free agency was I thought they needed to get two impact players, high impact players, whether it was a safety and, a, and an edge player or a defensive tackle and an edge player. I think they addressed one of those getting. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, I think he's a guy who can really make a, an impact uh, on the defense. But I think they have failed to add a, a second impact player. Um, and, and um, you know, although they have brought in some guys here along the defensive line, I don't necessarily think any of them make a real big impact. You know, I'm hoping that that I'm wrong. Um, you know, you look at guys like Quentin Jefferson, um, you know, he has, he, he has shown some flashes last year in Buffalo, uh, might have been playing a little bit of out of position uh, with them at times. But then you bring in a couple high upside guys like Solomon Thomas, who we know is a, is a former third overall pick. Um, and we know for a fact that he was definitely playing out of position uh, in San Francisco. And, you know, they, they were lining him more up, uh, up more on the edge where, you know, he's probably more uh, a better player on the inside. So hopefully that's what the, the Raiders defense does is, is utilize him on the inside. And, you know, the, the names goes on and on Matt Dickerson and, and Darius uh, fill on. So, you know, there's some guys here that, that have some upside, but I just don't know if there's a guy here that makes a true impact on, on this defense from day one and, and really transforms this pass rush along with um, along with Yannick Ngakwe. Now, I will say what I think we're seeing here when I look at what's happened with all these signings or signings that have not occurred yet, like the safety position on defense, is they're putting a lot of faith in Gus Bradley. What, what they're telling, what, this is what I think as well anyways, is that what, what John Gruden and Mike Mack are saying is we trust that Gus Bradley and his ability to coach and his and his scheme will kind of this defense will naturally take a step forward based on that. Um, and, and so that's what I think we're seeing. You know, they did not go out and sign a safety yet. That is still a position that I think they need to address at some point. Although the you know a lot of the options, you know, the well has kind of dried up at this point. There's still some some 
decent players out there. Trey Boston is a guy who I still uh, have highlighted on my on my cheat sheet here. Um, but you know, I, I worry about bringing in another young safety or a young young player in the back end of this defense. Uh, I do think they need to add a um, a veteran a veteran safety to this group. So. Uh, that, that's kind of what I feel about the defense. But, uh, you know, overall, to answer your question, as far as the defensive line goes, I think they've added some competition. They've added some depth. But I still worry that is there a true impact defensive tackle there that can bring uh, pressure from the inside? Yeah, and I think that you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't think there's any question that uh, they've put a lot of faith in Gus Bradley um, and Ron Milas and Richard Smith. Uh, and and um, you know Rod Marinelli uh, in their development, their teaching skills uh, to get the most out of a defense that they believe should have been better last year and has the potential to be better, uh, you know, uh, this year. So, um, is it is it you know too much faith? We don't know. You know that's the that's the fascinating question here. Um, we don't know, uh, but it tells me much like what you just said. It tells me that. You know, uh, he's he's looked at the tape. Gus, they've all looked at the tape now, and and if there was, hey, we can't get by with this guy or that guy, we just can't do it. They would have made changes already at those positions. So something tells me that they believe like they're like they're listening to Gus Bradley, and he's giving them some good feedback on guys that are currently on the roster. And I also think Evan, looking ahead to the draft, that there's probably some guys that he has his eye on um, in that secondary at that free safety position. And Gus Bradley has never shown any hesitancy to play rookies uh, at, at that position. So any thoughts on moving ahead to the draft? I, I do expect them to bring in a veteran free safety. I do. But I think that they have a bigger fish in mind in that draft. I could be wrong, but it just sure seems like there's somebody that's caught their eye and maybe multiple players that have caught their eye uh, in the draft that they feel that Gus feels can, can get on the field pretty quickly. All right. So those were some of my thoughts on the defensive line. Uh, you know, I, I stand by it. I, I stand by it. I've been pretty vocal uh, on the show last week as well as on Twitter. A lot of you out there, I'm seeing people who seem very, very happy with what they have done here with the defensive line. I I, I, I don't agree. I, I disagree. I, I am not really that satisfied with the defensive line. Love the Yannick and Gakwe signing, but I, I still believe, and I, you heard what I said, I, I believe they, they lack... They still lack a, a, an impact player on the interior part of the defense, and that was arguably one of the the biggest areas of, of you know deficiencies uh, last year. What was was in the interior part of the defense? It's been an area where they have been lacking for years and years and years now. I mean, when they had Khalil Mack, all you heard about was oh he needs someone there on the inside who can help him, and 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 they still have not addressed that issue. So. Um, you look at Quentin Jefferson. He's the one, if I had to pick one that I'm the most excited about, I would say it's him. I do think he's got some juice to his game. Uh, he did show some things with Buffalo last year. He can get after the quarterback uh, you know, from time to time. Solomon Thomas, I'm not I don't have a whole lot of faith in him. I, I it's you know nothing against the kid. I know he's dealt with some some personal things off the field with with uh, a death in the family and he's he had the injury last year. I know that he was a number three overall pick, but I, I don't think um, you know he's living up to that that high draft pick at all. Hopefully, the Raiders will utilize him uh, as a defensive tackle and not out on the edge as a defensive end. I think that is how they will try to utilize him and get the most out of him. 
I know a lot of people are excited about this. Darius, and I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, Philon, I believe it is. Uh, did some good things in, with the Chargers, I understand. Been out of the league for two years, okay? And that's a lot. I'm sorry, you, you know, you, you're out of this league for two years. That's 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 saying something, okay? Um, you know, does he still have all those abilities that he had two years ago? I mean, that that's a lot of time off. Uh, Matt Dickerson, you know, uh, I'm not. Will he even make the team? So, uh, I stand by it. I think this defense right now, when you look at it. Uh, today versus where it was last year, I don't see a whole lot of improvements. I really don't. Is this defense going to make a big-time jump from, what were they ranked, 28th or 30th in the league to to all of a sudden 20th? I mean, I can't say that I I can see that happening right now. I do think, as I said on the show with Vinny, that they're putting a lot of faith in the coaching ability of, of Gus Bradley and some of those assistant coaches that he's bringing in with him, Ron Milas. And, um, you know, I, I do expect to see a little bit of natural progression just because uh, the scheme is more, uh, it's a simplified scheme versus what, what um, Paul Gunther was running running last year. I, I think some of these young guys now have a full season under their belt, talking about Damon Arnett and John Abram and Amik Robertson and Trayvon Mullen. Uh, Corey Littleton should improve. Uh, Kwiatkowski should improve. Everyone should take step forwards here in year two, but is the talent there, right? I mean, is there enough talent on the defensive side of the ball right now to make the jump that this team needs to get into the playoffs? I think that's a fair and I think it's a legitimate question that needs to be asked. And I also know that there is still time in free agency. They could still bring in a free safety. They could bring in some depth at linebacker. There's still some things that could be done. And I know that the draft is coming up in in just over a month. So they could still address some key areas there as well. Now, speaking of high impact players, uh, if you heard what I had to say there with Vinny, my, my belief going into free agency was that they needed to bring in two impact players, whether that was a free safety and an edge player or a, a, a defensive tackle and an edge player. I think they did address one. Okay, we know Yannick Ngakwe, he's a difference maker. There's another difference maker out there that just hit the open market on Friday. The Seahawks released defensive tackle uh, Jaron Reed. Okay, uh, if you're not familiar with Jaron Reed, go look him up. He's from Alabama. He uh, He's a 28-year-old defensive tackle, and he's been very good at, through five seasons in the league this year. Uh, his, his best season came in, in 2018 where he had 10 sacks. Uh, he followed that up in, in uh, 2019. Only had two sacks because he served a six-game suspension for violating one of the league's uh, misconduct policies. I'm not quite sure what that was. Um, and then he had kind of a, a somewhat of a bounce back year this past season with six and a half sacks in 2020. He he just recently signed a, a two-year contract um, with, with Seattle. I think he signed that um, in 20, let's see, he signed that in 20, going into the 2018 season. I believe he was a free agent. Um, but, you know, this guy uh, if the Raiders are serious about improving that defense, this is a guy they absolutely have to take a look at. And I'm not quite sure what the money situation is right now with with the Raiders and the salary cap. I can't imagine there's a whole lot of money available. I don't care if you got to free some up. I mean, 
cut some of these guys. Cut some of these guys. What's the point of having, you know, three or four guys on the roster that you're paying two, three million dollars to, like a Solomon Thomas, uh, if you can bring in a guy with so much more um, ability and, and much more of an in- impact player like Jaron Reed? So, you know, I don't know if they will go after him, but this is the type of guy that if you can bring him in, now you're talking about that defensive line looks a whole lot better. You bring him in, and he can bring a pass rush uh, up the middle, and you combine that with Ngakwe, and now you're cooking with gas, as our as our friend Q Myers likes to say. You're cooking with cooking with gas or grease. Which one is it? I'm not sure. <laughs> but you're cooking, okay? And so uh, if I'm the Raiders, that is a guy that I absolutely want to see them be aggressive with and, and go out and make a play for. All right, so those were uh, some of the, the parts of the interview uh, from – from my time on uh, in, in the huddle with, with Vinny Bonsignor yesterday. I hope you enjoyed a little bit of that. And, and, and just before I uh, wrap it up here this week, it is a little bit of a shorter episode here. Uh, I, I do want to touch on, you know, the needs that still remain, okay? And these are needs that, you know, most likely will be addressed through the draft at this point. There, there's still a possibility they could bring in some some more guys here through free agency in, in the final final weeks here. You know, right tackle. Right tackle, there's still a void there. Um, I, I saw some people suggesting that, you know, don't count out Brandon Parker for that starting right tackle job. And, and you know, while maybe I don't see that as a possibility, um, there there's there's a chance that maybe there's, there's more faith in him within the building. Um, again, there's a lot of they're, they're going to put a lot of uh, of trust in into Tom Cable. I think that's also what we're seeing here is that not only are they putting a lot of trust in, in, in Gus Bradley, but what we've seen here is that they are they believe that that Tom Cable doesn't need those high high end uh, f- guys on the offensive line making a ton of money. He can get it done with some lesser. Uh, lesser known guys like Andre James, you know, can he develop him? Will, will, you know, can he continue to develop Colton Miller? And, you know, can he get a guy like Brandon Parker to, uh, you know, be a little bit more reliable? Uh, so I, I, you know, it's possible that Brandon Parker is an option at right tackle right now as your veteran, veteran option. Uh, they could still bring in a guy through the draft. The tackle is very deep uh, at the position this year at tackle. Um, is it Denzel Good? Maybe he's a guy that they, you know, he does have that versatility where he could play guard and tackle. So maybe it's possible they feel totally comfortable with him right now being the starting uh, right tackle if they need him to be that be that guy. And you you could push uh, Simpson, John Simpson, the second year guy out of Clemson to right guard with Incognito at left guard. So there are some options right now as far as that that veteran presence at right tackle with Parker and Denzel Good. Uh, and then you can you could always bring in a young guy uh, uh, through the draft as well. Now, free safety is another position where they have yet to address it, and that's the one that the fan base is really, really wondering what what the heck is going on there. Um, I, I don't think it's would be a wise move to bring in a rookie. Um, although it looks like that could be the route they go. And there's some talented ones out there, and they should all be there at pick 17 if that's where they want to go with it. Trayvon Morig from TCU, he's probably uh, one of, considered the, the top safety uh, in this year's draft class. Richie Grant is getting a lot of... Um, publicity as well. Those are the two real, real big names that you keep hearing out there. Most definitely they should both be there at 17. 
And and then one of our loyal listeners out there, and I and I apologize if I don't pronounce this name right. I believe it's uh, Shashi Haram. Uh, we 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 go back and forth on Twitter all the time. Real loyal listener, uh, and I always appreciate the support that he he gives me in the show. He he um hit me up on 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 Twitter today and says, "What about a guy like Tanner Muse as an option at, at safety?" You know, and, and and I thought, you know, that I thought that made a lot of sense. And, and at first, you know, I was like, "Oh, Muse," you know, I don't know. But he did remind me that his natural position at Clemson was as a free safety. And, and and so uh, the Raiders drafted him with the intentions to use him as a hybrid player, but they wanted him to learn the linebacker spot. So, um, you know, he was injured last year. I'm sure he's a little bit behind the ball with his development. Um, and, and maybe, you know, based on what we have seen uh, with the Raiders trying to get players to change positions. They have not had a lot of success with that recently. Lynn Bowden Jr. being being one of those guys. It might be wise to give Muse the, the chance to to make a run at this free safety job. Now, I'm not saying that's the best idea out there, but it is something that I thought was was, was thought-provoking, and, and who knows? Who, who knows what, what we'll decide to do with, with Tanner Muse. Uh, and then the other position on the defense that I still think could use – um, some depth is, is linebacker, some linebacker. And I see some, I saw JT, the brick just, uh, I believe it was yesterday tweeted out about, uh, Micah Parsons and, and his pro day, um, numbers and, and how he would absolutely run the card to the table. If he, he was there at pick 17, he'd even consider a, a trade up to get a guy like him. And I saw a lot of Raiders Twitter out there criticizing, are you crazy? It's not a position of need, but, but I say, if if you're, uh, you know, looking at best player available and he's there at 17, how can you not make the pick? Uh, I think too many times the Raiders have drafted on need recently, and 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 not paid enough attention to who is the best player on the board right now. And, and so to me, it's about going out and bringing in the best football player that you possibly can. So um, I, I'm also not opposed to them. Uh, using that first overall pick on a linebacker. I love the kid Jeremiah Koromoa from Notre Dame. Uh, he's a hybrid type of guy who could play a little bit of hybrid free safety linebacker. He can do a little bit of both. He's exactly the type of player that this defense lacks right now. They don't have a guy like that. They don't have a chess piece. And so I love him. Uh, he's one of the guys that I was very high on uh, early in the in the draft process. He was the guy that I kind of had my 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 heart set on. I've kind of changed that now to Azim Ojalari. I'm not quite sure if they're going to go edge now that they brought in Yannick, but um, anyhow, I, I do think those are the three positions that still remain as, as large needs, right tackle, free safety, and linebacker. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's episode. And just a, a quick programming note, just to kind of give you an idea of, of what the plan is here for the next couple of weeks. I will be getting a, a new episode out to you guys, uh, hopefully next week on Thursday night. Uh, my, my wife and I are, are taking the, the, the kids on a, a vacation uh, down to Florida. So we're leaving next week on Friday, April 2nd. So I'm going to be off uh, that following week. So you will not get a show from me, uh, 
the week of April 2nd to the week of April 9th. Uh, I'm going to be out of town there, but you can expect a new show from me when I return sometime around, I believe, April 15th or 16th. I'll get it out to you either Friday or, excuse me, Thursday or Friday of that week. Uh, and that's going to be a milestone show for Just Pod Baby. That's going to be number 100, episode 100. Uh, I'm working on a big time guest list uh, to help us celebrate uh, that week. And so hopefully I can. I can get some of these guys to come through. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot of draft this, that week, of course, as we, we gear up for April 29th in Cleveland. Thanks again for tuning in and for being a loyal listener and a follower of the show. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the second weekend of March Madness. That's right. The Sweet 16 is upon us. I'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, I'm your host, Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby.